This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good afternoon, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest show here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Now, it's a bit of a special show because I made a prediction back at the start of the season where I said that Newcastle United, who, of course, is managed by Sir Eddie Howe of Bournemouth, would finish third. I made that prediction in front of Harry Redknapp, who thought, I was absolutely barking mad, as did most Newcastle fans, as did most Bournemouth fans, as did mostly everybody. However, Newcastle and Eddie Howe are third. And in a real, real possibility, let's be honest, it looks like it's going to happen to finish in that position and, of course, qualify for the Champions League. What this show is to do is to discuss how Newcastle have got to that place from the dark days of Steve Bruce being bottom of the league under Mike Ashley to Eddie Howe and the great work he's done. Newcastle, everybody says, do have lots of money and That might be true, but Eddie has spent wisely. Let's be honest, he hasn't spent much at all on the reflection of things. So to discuss all this, we have a very, very special guest. And from Sky Sports, The Overlap, it is a pleasure to welcome on Kendall Rowan. Welcome on to the show, Kendall. How are you doing? Yeah, really, really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really am I'm gonna enjoy being here and talking about uh Steady Eddie, of course. Yes, yes. Somebody <laughs> who we, we know as Sir Eddie Howe. He is a legend, of course, with Jason Tyndall as well. Um and there's also another number of former cherries as well up in Newcastle. But um before we get stuck into that, um People probably will recognise you from a certain TV programme um, called The Overlap. Um, go on, tell us a little bit more about it. 
Yeah, so The Overlap is um, a show by Gary Neville's production company, which is The Overlap, um, and he created this company. Basically, in mind, kind of, the reason it's called The Overlap is just to kind of bridge the gap between modern football media and fans basically just every day your everyday average person your everyday average um, football fan and he does loads of different types of things on there if i'm basically telling this as if no one's seen it before so he does loads of different types of things on there like he's just recently done one with um roy hodgson at crystal palace and um, he's done ones with rude van nisteroy but the ones that basically get his started it all off were he something called the fan debate which a fan representative or a couple of fan representatives from each club in the Premier League come and we get asked questions by Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville. It was originally Roy King. I don't know where he's gone. He hasn't been around for the last few. <laughs> um, maybe it's not his thing. Um, but yeah, so we get asked questions by them. We can ask them questions. And it's kind of just an everyday conversation that you would have with your mates really but it's with ex-professionals and you get a really really good insight so um yeah it's really it's a lot of fun it's it's just really good to you know network with with people like that we've had Shea given on there as well before and yeah it's just really nice to kind of bring the two um opposite ends of the spectrum really ex-professionals um current professionals and obviously every everyday fans so yeah it's nice to um bridge that gap really of course, Gary is one of the best pundits on TV. And of course, Jamie Carragher goes into so much depth as well with his analysis. Um, are they as nice a people as you see on the screen as well? Or do they get a little bit heated backstage as well? Or Yeah, they, do, they get heated. I mean, they get heated even in the show. They have yeah. their little arguments. And um, if you go and watch the, the recent episode, if you haven't seen it um, already, Gary brings out his little scroll with all of the bad takes that Jimmy Carragher's had throughout the overlap season. Um, and he brings them out and kind of makes Jamie say, yeah, I'm guilty about that. Um, but they're so nice in person. The, especially because people, um, like I've kind of got a, my place on, a, on the panel now as a fan. And he, he remembers you when you go in and he remembers what you've told him previously. Like if you're up to something or like, for example, I did a couple around the Carabao Cup time Carabao Cup final. I did like a couple of um, Premier League stuff for Sky Sports and a couple of adverts and things like that. And he, he was like, ah, Kendall, I seen you on the telly the other day. And I was saying to my wife, that's Kendall. That's our Kendall from the overlap. So yeah, they do really, they remember you yeah, and they, they take time to talk to you, you know, outside of filming. And yeah, they're, they're really, really nice people, genuinely. I'm not just saying that because <laughs> I'm on there, but, but genuinely they, they really are. I was even surprised to be fair at that. Did you ever get in an argument with Roy Keane? Do you know what the fu the funniest thing about Roy Keane? So he hasn't been there since the first few episodes, but yeah. the first day I ever went, it was the biggest thing I'd ever done. Like at that, it was still one of the biggest things I do now. Um, and I got out of a taxi and I was wearing. We were told on the first show a show up in like football gear from from your club. So I thought, yeah. oh, I'll wear my classic nineteen ninety six home shirt with Shiva on the back, um, the one that everyone knows with the brown nail sponsor. And as I got out of the taxi outside of Hotel Football, um, which it used to be in originally, someone else was getting out of a taxi behind me. And I was in a rush and I was anxious and I was nervous. So I was like just hurrying along and I was looking at the floor and I just walked straight into this person and it was Roy Keane. And it was just so, I was like, I just looked up and I was like, 
oh my god and I was like I'm so sorry and he was like don't worry don't worry um and then he saw my Shearer shirt that I had on because it was like July when we found he saw my Shearer shirt and he was like oh actually I don't know if I'd seen that shirt beforehand it might have been handbags <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was funny about it it was he, he was funny um and yeah he's he's actually really nice and he was one of the only ones actually the first time we ever filmed an episode to stay behind and just talk to the fans on like a a candid level and, and take photos and stuff which was really nice and changed my opinion on him quite a bit to be honest yeah he always comes across as really scary but he has got a nice side yeah definitely yeah. good stuff good stuff well i made a prediction um as you probably know that newcastle would finish third in the league this season would you have agreed with that at the start of the season, being a Newcastle fan, Kendall? Uh, no. <laughs> not, not that I'd, I would disagree, because based on form, that's where we were in the table. Um, yeah. From January last year, we were third. But um, just because I thought was way ahead, we were like would be way ahead of schedule to finish in Champions League spots this year. Um, and I didn't think we had the squad depth to do it. I... Yeah, I just guessed kind of slow and steady progress. I didn't want to get ahead of myself. And I guess I would finish eighth this season. Um, I've obviously been proved extremely wrong. And now we can't even finish that low. So, um, yeah, it's I would not have said third. I wouldn't even have said like top six, really, to be quite honest. As I said, my prediction was eighth. So, yeah, I'm very, very happy to be proved wrong this season. Very happy. Well, to be honest, I should have had the bet with Harry, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> But I just thought, <laughs> I thought, you know, betting against Harry Redknapp, he knows what he's doing, you know. Yeah. I thought, nah. No, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You were right. right in the end. I bet he thought you were crazy at the time. Oh, he did. He thought I was absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Um, and I think, I think he knew that Newcastle wouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone. Yeah. But he didn't think as high as high as third yes. um and we did have a laugh about it actually quite recently but of course eddie howe um an absolute legend at this football club look at what he did took us from minor 17 in league two all the way to the premier league he did have a little bit of a spell with burnley but he didn't quite like it there but newcastle I thought when when he did take over from Steve Bruce, I thought Newcastle was always going to be a very, very difficult job. And it looked as if he was going to need to build the club back up, potentially from the championship. Yeah. Um, firstly, how bad a mess was it that Steve Bruce had put the side in? Um, do you think that he just lost the dressing room completely? There was a lot of things. Uh, to be honest, Steve Bruce should have, he just should have never taken that job. It's <laughs> as simple as that, really. Um, but to be quite honest, at the time that he did take the job, um, this is, I'm not actually exaggerating here. There's, there is articles online to prove it. Um, but he was actually our 12th choice manager. That's 12-1-2. Um, and he was the first one that said that he would take over under Mike Ashley because everyone had kind of, Rafa had, 
basically shown a, a, what had everything got, had gone wrong at that point. He had yeah. proved every what to everyone what kind of a man Mike Ashley was, um, and no one wanted to take the job. It was like poison chalice. Everyone knew how bad of an owner he was, and he wasn't going to invest in the club. And no one kind of wants to come in, in, under that environment. Um, but Steve Bruce did because he said it was his childhood club. Um, and he wanted to kind of help out at that time. He just should have never taken the job. Um, but yeah, it was just horrendous. Like there was honestly, I used to do a weekly rant because it was just that bad at the time. Like there was something new every single week to to mention. Like he would let us, like he would let Saint Maximum go on holiday. Like he would do two training. This is no lie for a Premier League club. He would do two training sessions a week, three at a push training sessions a week, and then a Saint Maximum said to him. And to be fair, I don't even blame St. Maximum for this because if you can get away with stuff, you get away with it. It's as simple as that. That's, you try. And he used to say, can I go back to France for five days? Yeah, go on. Just come back for the game. Like, come back before the game. So uh, St. Maximum would just go on holiday for like five days. And it was genuinely that bad. Um, but that's the environment Mike Ashley allowed it to be because he, he kept him on for like two and a half years and there was no structure at the club. Like, there was only Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley who, unfortunately, is now at Nottingham Forest, I think. Um, and there was only like them two running the day-to-day like errands of the club transfers um just the general running of the club in general um and yeah it was just there was no structure there was no personnel we didn't have a sport and director we didn't have you know first team analysis coach we didn't have set piece coach we didn't have just so many things that a, a premier league club should have we just didn't have um and yeah steve bruce's football obviously didn't help he like made a few players Almiron at the time who was our only kind of hope at the three years ago um you know he kind of froze him out left him on the bench paid 40 million for Joe Linton and tried to play him as a number nine over and over again um and yeah it was just an extremely toxic environment to be in um and it was probably I mean the first relegation hit very very hard um because we'd not been relegated at that point and um yeah it was just horrible and I remember driving over the time bridge coming back home from the game and everyone was throwing their season tickets off the time bridge and I remember it really clear as day um but this the Steve Bruce era was when I actually just like I just fell out of love completely not with the club but just the way the club was I was so apathetic to it and I'd gone to games since 2006 and there was times where me, my dad and my brother would argue over, like, because me and my brother shared a season ticket at that point and we don't anymore, but we did. And there was, like, times where we'd argue over who was going to the game because no one wanted to go. And then, obviously, 10,000 season tickets got given away because no one was going. We were protesting. We were boycotting the games. Um, So, yeah, it was just it was just not a, not a good environment and it couldn't be more opposite now, really, just complete opposite. Yeah, most definitely. A lot of Newcastle fans, though, um, the Mike Ashley era isn't looked upon fondly, but he did keep the club stable financially. Do you think that there was something in that? But then again, Newcastle, massive club, should be investing to push the next level. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, he did keep it on a kind of an even keel financially. Mm-hmm. Um, there was not a lot of debt in the club and things like that. But that was also because he didn't invest in the club at all. Like he, 
Swiss Ramble, um, if anyone doesn't know on Twitter, does a lot of financial things regarding football clubs um, and he, he breaks it down very, very well. Yeah. And for from 2010 to 2020, which is obviously when the last decade of accounts was done, um, Mike Ashley's input from his own pocket into the club was actually zero. Um, and for someone, a businessman who wants to grow a business, it just was extremely poor. Like there was just the the ground was in a mess like honestly when we got took over and the windows and the roof was getting cleaned Newcastle fans were like oh my god it's like they're like signing the best thing ever like that's how bad it was we like we just wanted the stadium to be cleaned he was using it as a vehicle for just free advertising for his own companies um I don't know if anyone remembers but at one point he actually had the Gallagher roof painted to say sports direct like it's just things like that just silly things he tried to call St James's Park a sports direct arena um just he just took as much as he could take out of the club and didn't give anything back um luckily I mean I'm not going to praise him or anything but for the financial decisions that he made helped us in this aspect because FFP won't be as effective to us in these next three years as it would have been had he been the Glazers for example who yeah. do take a lot of money out of the club um and have a lot of debt but yeah it was all for his own his own gain and nothing in return really so of course the new owners took over got rid of Steve Bruce and bought in Eddie Howe and like I said you know it was a task that looked big at the time because of what Steve Bruce had done but with say for example Joe Linton you know, one thing that I've noticed with him, I thought Joe Linton was a poor player under Bruce. I thought he looked, you know, sloppy, didn't didn't really look like he had much idea. But Eddie changed his position completely. Yeah. And do you feel that the impact he made was pretty much immediate? Yeah, 100%. Um, his first interview was great. And the thing about Newcastle fans is, um, I can't speak for a lot of other fan bases because obviously I'm, I'm not kind of in, integrated with them, but a lot of things, a lot of stuff for Newcastle fans is based on the fact that someone gets the club, which is why Rafa was held in such high regard with us because he just understood the relationship between the club, between the fans and between himself and that he was a vehicle for that and he understood it and that's why the football wasn't great, don't get me wrong, and I'll never say it was, but it was reliable and the, the base point was that he understood the relationship that the fans have with that club um because it is a lot of people's lives in our t- in our city and in our area and it is it's basically in your blood for want of a better word um but so when eddie came in his first interview and he kind of he said look i understand the task at hand like i'll do whatever i can to keep this club afloat and he just kind of what what he said i was like you know what like he actually he understands what's going on here like he, he gets it he might not keep us up but that's why he was only given a short-term contract it was only two and a half years at that point um and he might not keep us up and even if he doesn't he knows that it's a long-term project and he will be great in the championship with him as well um and the, my only qualm at that time was that it wasn't done sooner because Unai Emery was obviously our first choice um who again is no, no disrespect to him because he's actually doing a fantastic job at Aston Villa now um but he the day before he was meant to sign uh, the contract with us, he said, you know what, I'm actually going to stick this Champions League run out with Villarreal. Um, and that was fair enough. I, I I understood that at the time. Um, but Eddie Howe had been 
spoken about for months. Like even before Unai Emery, even before the takeover, it was spoken about if Steve Bruce goes, it'll be Eddie Howe who comes. Um, so I just wish it was done sooner because who knows it would be by now. But um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And yeah, he came in and came at the Brighton game and um the rest was history, as we say, but the, the impact's been immense, especially on specifically Joel Linton is basically the cover boy for everything that Eddie Howe's done at the club because he was brought in as a number nine. He's not a number nine. He was never a number nine anyway, so I don't even know why the club decided to like break their record-breaking transfer on a number nine that wasn't even a number nine. He was a winger at Hoffenheim. I, I just don't know what exactly the state of our club was at the time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he brought me in, saw his physicality straight away, saw his fouling, saw his tackles and said, you know what, you're better moving back. However, it wasn't strictly an Eddie Howard decision. Um, I think, uh, which a lot of people might not know, but Stephen, uh, Stephen Clark, Kevin Clark got sent off against Norwich, which was an absolute must-win game for us. Um, and we had no one available to kind of take the midfield spot that we needed to replace. So Joe Linton stepped back there. And yeah, from that point onwards, it was, uh, he's been there ever since. And he's been one of the, probably one of the highest performing midfielders in the league this season. Of course, with with Eddie and what he's uh, he, he's transformed so many players at our football club as well. So the likes of Steve Cook wasn't really getting his games, and then Eddie brought him into the fold and transformed his career. Um, what he did really at Bournemouth was he just got a collection of players who had always been in the lower leagues and managed to help us get through the Championship yes. into the Premier League, and those sort of players kept us there as well i know joe linton you know is one that everybody mentions about but is there any other players though that he's really transformed the careers of at newcastle like that yeah and this is genuinely not even a joke but like literally everybody um Mm -hmm. because if you look at our squad now yes we've had some new additions obviously we've got isaac we've got bruno we've got trippier we've got dan burn nick paul things like that botman um we have got new additions who do play in the starting 11 but there's players like sean longstaff for example who he has been out now for two games he's probably going to be out for another two and everyone's begging for him to come back i've never in my life for as long as sean longstaff was brought through from rafa benitez ever seen anybody beg for him to start until this season um he's he, until he got injured he'd played every single um, league game and He's a massive part of the reason why we play the way we do. We miss him when he's not there anymore. And I'm not joking, not last summer, but the summer before, before the takeover, he was linked with Everton for five million and every single Newcastle fan, well, probably 99% of them, were like, we'll drive him there. Take him. Because obviously Rafa took over uh, Everton at the time and we were just like, just take him. We don't care, just get rid of him. And now he's such a vital cog in that system. It's crazy. Jacob Murphy, who... Another one, I couldn't have cared less a year ago if he'd left for me. I would not have been bothered. Now, he just get, he's just an absolute epitome of everything that Eddie Howe has brought to the club. So, just work rate, kind of appreciation for the team. The way he is respectable on the pitch. Obviously, not doing Coletta car bye-bye and things like that. But um, the way where if he's subbed, he just runs straight off with a massive smile on his face. He's not sauntering off and being all angry about it. He just completely gets it. And it, again, he's just a player that 
has really improved. Almiron as well, another one. Wilson, who's obviously had a really good relationship with Eddie Howe in the past. Just honestly, every like I cannot explain. Shah as well. Just everybody's just banded together and um, the improvement on everyone. Joe Willock is, again, a fine example of just even he said today he did an article today and um, for the telegraph and he said like i cannot express how much my game's improved under eddie howe and just how much of a good man manager he is and yeah everything i know what i'm saying is like not news to, to bournemouth fans because they know what he's like and i've never met a bournemouth fan who has anything negative to say about him at all but um yeah just how he's transformed players club everything's just yeah second to none really you mentioned Everton there as well. And of course, you signed Anthony Gordon from Everton, um, which I was a little bit surprised about because, mm. of course, I think a lot of it had to do with the issues that they were going through at the time yeah. as well. He desperately wanted to join Newcastle, but how's he integrated into the side? Because there was that moment, wasn't there, a few weeks back which caused a bit of concern um, in the fan base. Yeah, um, Gordon's a funny one because at the time I was so against the signing. I was like, <clears throat> this is the first signing where I haven't understood it. The rest, I understood Chris Wood. I understood that signing down at the ground. Um, I understood every signing. And then when the Anthony Gordon rumours came around, I was like, oh, no, please, no. Because just a few weeks before that, There'd been, we'd played Everton at St. James's Park and he tried to fight Trippier, Shah had pushed him over and he was just basically like a menace to play against. And I was like, I just, I can't see why that would be something Eddie Howe wanted because I do think Gordon, I don't think Isaac, I don't think the likes of um, Botman and things like that were Eddie Howe signings necessarily because they very much fit the mould of a Dan Ashworth signing who's our sporting director ex-Brighton um however I do think Anthony Gordon was a, a very much Howell-led transfer um and it, I just didn't really understand it at the time 45 million I was like that's a lot of money for someone who is so raw like who when you look at it on the surface of things doesn't really match the vibe that we've got going on at the squad yeah. at the moment um I just thought it was weird and then he came on for 20 minutes in his first game I can't remember who it was against now but he came on for 20 minutes and I was like wow He's actually a very talented footballer. And it like I said, as soon as he puts on the black and white shirt, I'll back him all the way and I won't be negative, but okay. it was just prior. Um, and he looked really good. And then obviously there was that incident and I was like, I understood it because again, as I said, very raw. He's only young. His interview that he did when he first joined as well, he was very honest with his feelings. And he said, you know what? I was really hurt the way that I was treated at Everton. Um, the way that the fans treat me was really upsetting to me. And I'm only a young lad and I'm never going to get everything right. And, you know, that's how he was. So I knew he was honest and I knew his emotions were a little bit raw. But for me, to act like that to Eddie Howard, who's like literally the most calm, chilled out person on the touchline, he, he would never have a go at you like that in public anyway. Like he just, he wouldn't. So it was just a bit weird for me. But he seems to have calmed down. And luckily, Eddie Howe, the way he is, he's just very, you know, um, he elegantly ex expresses himself in interviews and he said I'm not going to make a big deal out of it at the end of the day he was upset that he got took off and we've spoke about it we've sorted it out and that was it so hopefully he has the same effect on on Gordon as he has everybody else I can't see why he wouldn't the only reason why he wouldn't is if Gordon kind of didn't, wasn't reciprocative to that um but I think he will be and he's only a young lad as well so he'll probably he'll help him out a lot I think one thing I think Eddie always did was 
you know, if there was a player that stepped out of line, then, you know, he would remind them, um, you know, believe it or not, he can be quite forceful. You yes. know, he can be quite blunt, straight to the point, but he's quite a forgiving manager as well. So say, for example, if something happens, once it's over, it's over, move on, carry on. Um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, that's going to be the situation with Anthony Gordon. Without a shadow of a doubt, it will be. We've kind of, yes, I hope, but we've kind of had that situation. He's, it's like lightning strike twice with obviously Ryan Fraser as well, because obviously at Bournemouth, he, I didn't want to sign Fraser at the time at Bournemouth because I just yeah. thought to myself, you know what? I don't like the way that he's treated that club who's given him a lot. Um, and you, in a relegation battle or in tough times at a club, you do not do that to the club that you play for. Like you just don't, you don't refuse to play. You don't not show up to training. Um, and obviously, obviously there was an issue there initially. And then the first time I ever saw Eddie be really ruthless was when he came out in the interview and he, someone had asked about Ryan Fraser and he said, you know what, Ryan Fraser is not interested in being a part of this current squad because his behaviour and his attitude is not right. Um, I don't think he has a future with the squad. So at the moment he is playing for the under 23s and that was the first time I'd seen Eddie Howe be a bit like straightforward in an interview and blunt in terms of that because he always protects his players you'll know that yourself he always protects them he'll never throw them under the bus and I was like wow something serious must have gone on there because that's the first time I've ever seen him do that so um yeah he'll probably Fraser probably be one of the first ones out of the door but he's not someone that obviously Eddie wants attitude wise around the club but he didn't really have a choice because he was already here when he came so um and he did give him a chance so yeah i'm sure you've just gone and got a load of followers in the from the bournemouth community <laughs> just then for what you said about ryan fraser and how you didn't like how he treated the football club um you know it's just so, it, it just wasn't someone there's another thing just so indicative of the ashley and steve bruce situation like you would look at a, a player from a club who <laughs> does not want to help out the club that he's employed by and who he's gone through a lot with, who fans have backed him all the way, managers backed him all the way, and he just doesn't, he thinks he's better than that, so he doesn't want to show up. Like, no, it's just not someone I ever wanted at the club. Um, and he's just shown he's just shown his backside again now. So, um, yeah, just needs to get far, far away from, uh, from our, our club, to be quite honest. To be honest, I was surprised that, you know, Eddie gave him that second chance when he did arrive at Newcastle because it was quite evident, of course, he he refused to play for the last seven games of the season. Those yeah. seven games, of course, we got relegated in. We only won two of those. Um, and with Ryan Fraser on this day, you know, we, we could have stayed up. We could have stayed up, but yeah. um, you know, I never, I, I never imagined that you know he would give him a second chance. Never thought that. I didn't either, but as well at the time, it, it just didn't have a choice. And because we needed as many players as we as we could, and our depth wasn't great and things like that, he did give him a chance. But yeah, it, I just again, I think I'm sure. I don't know if I've mixed two interviews up here, but I'm sure Kieran Trippier, just in his recent high performance podcast, had said Eddie's a manager that gives second chances if as long as you forgive. Yeah. Um and you know, you're you're sure that you're gonna work hard and you can work past it. Eddie's really, really good at giving second chances. So um I think he probably just didn't have a choice. But yeah, he's probably probably proved why he shouldn't have. Um 
again but yeah I'll be glad to see the back of him really to be quite honest not Eddie obviously but Ryan Howe yeah. uh, Ryan Howe Ryan Fraser well um, we call him the snake we, he used to be known as Wee Man but yeah he's known as a yeah, snake yeah. here yeah exactly but of course Eddie is a calm manager but somebody who isn't so calm is on the touchline and somebody of course we know as well uh, Mr. Tyndall, uh, yeah. former manager of the club, <laughs> but a lovely, lovely man. Um, he's come under some stick recently, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I, honestly, since the Arsenal game, I don't know what happened. He's never, ever been like kind of a like a focus before. No one's mentioned him. It's just a given that it, him and how were like a partnership on the touchline. And um, it was as simple as that, really. It wasn't like a, a big deal before now all of a sudden since the arsenal game some random i'm assuming it was an arsenal fan because it only came out after the arsenal game um had made an account called jason tyndall once free center of attention um and had posted the video where he went to arteta first for a handshake rather than how I don't know why it's became a thing, but now it's suddenly been a Twitter sensation and now everyone is posting videos of when Jason Tyndall's been the first one to um, shake a manager's hand. The one where Gary O'Neill completely pied Jason Tyndall and went straight to Eddie Howe and then went to Jason Tyndall. It's just loads of things have happened, like just pictures where he's appearing in the background and like he knows where the camera is like cbs have been asking eddie how about him and um, the premier league and sky sports have been posting about him athletic bilbao who we played in pre-season in the summer they posted a picture where it was just jason tyndall and their manager together just getting in getting in on the, on the laughs the carabao cup posted about it. so yeah it's just been a being funny really but obviously eddie said today you know there's and he said he said it in his own high performance podcast that he said he would not be the person that he is without Jason. He'd been through everything together from the bottom to the top. And he does all of the, basically the dirty work that Eddie, who yeah. is very much a self-confessed introvert, does not like doing. So speaking to the fourth official, causing a bit of aggro on the touchline and yeah, just basically doing all the dark arts of football that we've, we've not seen uh, in a good way at Newcastle for a long time. So the partnership's perfect, but it is it is making me laugh very, very much. So that <laughs> Mad Dog's now a little... Uh, who the That as well just became about a few months ago from True Faith podcast, which is a really good uh, Newcastle podcast. Is only called him Mad Dog on there and now, that, <laughs> now that's stuck. And even even Eddie's calling Jason Mad Dog now. So it's just... It's just funny, like just—it's just a funny thing, really. <laughs> he's just entertaining. He really is yeah. entertaining, but he's such a nice bloke as well. Because yeah. you know what he's done before, and even I saw a post from a West Ham fan, and where Jason Tindall's gone over and given him some shirts yeah. for a charity. So you know he's just such a down-to-earth person. But I think they're quite right. He does like being centre of attention. He <laughs> loves being in the centre of the photo. But I think it's mainly because he just is one of the lads, really. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he, again, he's just enveloped like the culture at Newcastle United really, really well. Um, and as much as Eddie comes across beautifully in interviews, he knows how to answer questions. He's so 
he's just very classic and gentlemanly and he's really good. Jason is like the very much the opposite in terms of how he portrays himself. He's like the Essex mm-hmm. geezer. Like that's how he reminds me. We always laugh when they go to um, Saudi or Dubai for the summer training camps and Jason's there and he sliders and he's tan and it's just so funny. He, he really makes me laugh. But um, Eddie said he's a very, very serious coach. And I mean, he must be because of the turnaround that the club's had. So he obviously knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, he's persona. Is is very funny. He's just very cheeky, and it's you always. I always laugh because now it makes sense. But every single dressing room photo we take after win, he's in the center. <laughs> I, yeah. always, I never thought much about it before, but it always makes me laugh now that they've uh, they've pulled it up on him being the center of attention. It's funny. Oh, he, honestly, he's he's absolutely brilliant, and you know, like I say, absolutely lovely, lovely man. Yeah. You know, would do anything for anybody. Um, unfortunately didn't really work for him as a manager yeah and I think where he is best suited is alongside Eddie because it's that duo isn't it I don't know if if Eddie was without Jason would Eddie be as good do you think I, I don't think so because again as Eddie said he does all of the stuff that he doesn't like doing so they basically just mold together perfectly at a jigsaw because mm-hmm. they're both doing the things that either one isn't the best start so yeah. I honestly don't think obviously we've never seen Eddie without Jason so it would be was he, I don't know if he went he did go to Burnley with him didn't he so I, I think yeah. um we've never seen Eddie without him so if that ever happened which I doubt it would because I, I can't see Jason wanting to take a head coach role um it'll be interesting but yeah I, I just don't think it would work as well as it does because they both just melt together so perfectly. Personalities, they're so opposite. Um, I remember Eddie saying that he wasn't best friends with him at Bournemouth. But, you know, it was just they played alongside each other, and they, but they weren't. They were in different friendship groups. Um, but their coaching experience, their coaching attitudes and what they bring together as a partnership is is just brilliant and second to none. So, yeah, I don't think either of them would probably be without the other, to be honest. You've also got a number of our old coaches in Stephen Purchase, of course, played for the club. Um, Schwan Jalau, who's the goalkeeping coach, of course, played for Bournemouth yeah. as well during the dark days. Um, the Racky goalkeeper. Um, Simon Weatherston, Graham Jones as well, who was, of course, alongside Jason here. What has been your impression of those people around the club? Yeah, just, I honestly don't have any. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The thing negative to say, they've, bought, they've all 
um, just shown themselves as such class and understand the project very much a lot higher experience than I than I ever even realized to be honest um and yeah they've all just bought into it and they get it and they're all in the photos and they're just loving it and obviously Graham Jones is is a Geordie he's a Newcastle fan so he's yeah. just loving his life at the moment uh, and he said you know what no matter what I do in my career I've gone away with England I've got I've done this that and the other nothing will mean more to me than being head cook because he was obviously manager for a few days before Eddie Howe got the job and he said nothing will beat me getting to manage Newcastle for the for that short time so yeah he's just he's funny as well he's class when he looks like he's like you know your dad on like a stag do when he goes <laughs> goes abroad like it's funny and his slide isn't that he always makes me laugh um but yeah everyone's just really really class great group of people with so much knowledge and so much experience and just bought into the project perfectly and yeah that's all you can ask for really I can see now why you guys are just so complimentary of them all and you know obviously Eddie Howe in specifics and why there was never any animosity like when everyone left and things like that and obviously when you did get relegated there was nothing I've never ever seen and I don't know loads of Bournemouth fans but the ones I do know I've never seen anything bad said about any of them which is a lot to be said in in this kind of fickle football day and age it's a lot to be, it leaves a lot to be said of course one player as well that used to play for the club um of course there's two other ones apart from fraser we'll forget about him yeah um but callum wilson and he's found his shooting boots again um i don't think they ever left but it's because of his injuries unfortunately yeah um but if his injuries weren't there, do you think that he would play for England a lot more than he has done? Yeah, 100%. I mean, even in the World Cup just gone, there was times where I think he should have been brought on. Um, yeah. And he wasn't. But obviously, we know what Southgate's like. Um, he, he likes his favourites and things like that. But yeah, unfortunately, obviously, Callum's had, he's had two ACL injuries, but in both uh, knees in his career. And... He's only still relatively youngish um, and he's had long-term injuries with us. He's been out every season. I think, I'm not sure about this season because I haven't caught up on the stats, but at the end of last season, there was a stat where he'd actually only played half of the games that he was available for us to play. Um, I mean, that's not good. It's not a good record if you're only playing half of the games you can. Um, It's not great, but this season is one of his um it is his highest goal scoring season with us um and it's just unfortunate because of his injuries he hasn't actually hit 20 goals with us yet i mean that's not to say it might not happen before the end of the season um but yeah i just think he would be he would been picked for england a lot more because we haven't had that many decent strikers over the last few years or is in prolific apart from harry kane um, so yeah, he would have definitely been picked more. I think he would have even hit higher heights than he than he already is now. Really, we saw Callum Wilson, of course, with Eddie Howe throughout his time here, yes. and of course, you've seen Callum Wilson with Eddie Howe since Eddie's been in Newcastle. Callum Wilson without Eddie Howe, have you seen? Have you seen an increase in his performances since then as well? And do you feel that? Callum is another player who just excels under Eddie and maybe just dips with other coaches. 
Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, it, look, don't get me wrong, he was fantastic even under Bruce. He's was, was just one of those <laughs> traditional classic number nine strikers. If you give him the ball in the right area, he's going to score a goal. He's still like that now. But there's so many elements to his game now that we've never seen from him. So he drops deep now. If he knows that there's other players around him who can get forward, he does not do the running anymore because he doesn't, he doesn't need to. Um, and just every, there's other elements of his game that have just massively improved under Eddie Howe. And the fact is, he even said himself, he hates being on the bench, but the point is, I've seen him now, even a massive increase in his performances because of Isak's presence there now. Um, and, to be competitive and to be pushed, especially in a striker position that's so important in a team. Um, I've just seen so much from him and you can just tell he's just much more relaxed now. You know, he got back into, his, into the England squad for the World Cup, which he said was his, his one goal. That's all he ever wanted to do, play for England in a World Cup um, in terms of his own goals. And he did that under Eddie this season. So yeah, I'm really, really happy for him. And luckily, I'm going to say this now, I'm going to, I'm going to completely jinx everything, but Luckily, I'm touching wood. He's managed to stay relatively injuryless. He has had injuries, but not as long term as they have been in the past. So I think yeah. it's just the fact that we've got the best sports scientists now, much better physios and doctors and medical staff. And um, he hasn't needed to be as present as he has been previously um, because he was like, oh, man, you know, talisman. He was my, our man number nine. So, yeah, it's nice to to see the difference now, really. One man that actually left Bournemouth to go to Newcastle in the championship was Matt Ritchie. And Matt was a great player for us. You know, he was exciting to watch. And of course, he's, I remember a couple of seasons go back, you know, we was 2-1 up and he equalised against us. Um, but... it's, every time, it's typical, isn't it? It always happens to yeah. us. Adam Armstrong blame for Southampton is always amazing. Well, not this season, but you may as well just say, there's the ball. <laughs> Score against yeah. us. Ivan Tony Mitrovic. It always happens, isn't it? It's always typical. <laughs> but with Matt Ritchie, um, you know, do you think his time at Newcastle is coming to an end? And how positive has he been um, to have around the place? Do you think that Eddie might even move him into the coaching staff? I hope so. Honestly, that would be one of the most genius moves this club has ever done. Um, he, Matt Ritchie, the day he says, I'm I'm not going to play football anymore, I, I honestly think it's coming soon. I don't want him to leave the club, so I just hope that at the end of the season, and he says, you know what, this is it for me, we say, right, coach and stuff. I mean, I, I'm so desperate for that to happen, I can't even explain. He's been with us through so much, he's with us through the horrendous times and the really, really good times. He's part of the leadership group um, that Kieran Trippier mentioned on on high performance and he said, you know, there's five of us, there's me, Lascelles, um, Matt Ritchie, Dan Byrne and why can't I remember the other one? There was five and then I just cannot think of who the fifth person was. Anyways, um, it was somebody, I can't yeah. <laughs> someone, um, and yeah, he just said, you know, oh, it's Callum Wilson, sorry, um, and he said he's still part of that leadership group, despite the fact he doesn't play it, unfortunately, his season has come to an end, he's not going to play any more football this season, Eddie Howe confirmed in his conference today, um, he's got a knee injury, so that's ruled him out for, not that he plays much anyway, but that's ruled him out for the rest of the season now, so I just wonder, he, he did say as well, Matt is absolutely a part of the future of this club and he didn't necessarily say team or squad which makes me yeah. think that there is future plans for him to do his coaching with us which i would love because 
if you want passion merchant and i know a lot of people take the mic but you do need that in teams, especially when you're rallying in hard times. And he is the perfect guy for that. He's just, again, he's another one who was really bought into the club, really just the area and the fans and the relationship with the fans. And he is just, yeah, he was actually great for us as well for three seasons. He was he was fantastic player and I, I loved him a bit. And um, my brother never really gets people's names on shirts, but he did get Matt Ritchie's and he, he loved Matt Ritchie. Um, so I would hope that he gets to stick around and, um, you know, kind of what I expect Trippier to do as well, you know, kind of shadow Eddie and um, learn to be a coach in him because I think he will be absolutely perfect. And he would be learning from one of the very, very, very best as well. And I can, I can imagine that a lot of these people that are working alongside Eddie uh, or learning from Eddie, I should say, will become managers themselves yeah. in the long run. And I think, you know, Eddie, how he learned and what his philosophy was when he had those injuries, of course, which ended his career um, here and at Portsmouth as well. That was really what he was doing, was he was learning the game. And that's why he took so long out between leaving us and then taking the Newcastle job. He, he did have, you know, plenty of offers as well, but I think it was a match made in heaven, really, for Newcastle, wasn't it, and Eddie? Yeah, it just came around at the perfect time. I mean, he said himself, you know, there was offers abroad, there was offers like Celtic, um, which he just said it just wasn't right for him at the time. And lo and behold, it just came, the takeover came around and he was you know, the, the perfect man for the job at the time. But uh, he's an, it's something I respect about him so much is the fact that he went away and learned a lot about himself. He learned a lot about his managerial style. Um, he obviously he went and shadowed um, Diego Simeone um, for a short while. He went and did some work with Jurgen Klopp. He went with the Danish head coach. Um, forgive me as I don't know his name. I can't remember his name, but he went and worked with him for a little bit. And he, he even like spoke to like, people in other sports who were very high up in other sports um boxing i believe he went and spoke to someone in, in very high up in boxing uh, just for you know insight into how he can be the best version of himself if, when he goes to get a, a job the next time and the way that he's so intent on improving himself and everybody around him is is admirable really um and it's something that i will always always respect about him and who he is as a person and he also and this is this was bizarre as well because Bournemouth fans will remember Eddie Howe probably resting quite a lot of players for FA Cup games, which of course went out against Sheffield Wednesday yeah. in the third round to this season. Um, but he got you to a final and it seems to feel like it's going to be the first of many. Um, firstly, what was that journey like? Because of course you played us on the way. But secondly, you hadn't been in a final for so long. Does it feel like it is going back to those glory days or is it a new version of a glory day? Um, yeah, I definitely think it's a new era because just the way <laughs> football is now is just so different. And I've always said to myself, and even on, on podcasts and things like that, when you are in a cup specifically, the league's a little bit the same. Yeah. But when you're in a tournament or a cup, look of the draw has to come into play because in the past 
like for example we were actually we were in a semi um sorry quarterfinal to see Bruce and we ended up playing Man City I like it's just something like that you just can't get past that and luckily we had a rel- we did have Premier League teams we had Crystal Palace we had Southampton we had you guys so we did have Premier League teams but we didn't have a Man City for example so for me that does definitely play a part because Man City obviously the best team in the Premier League and one of the best in the world so it does play a part and kind of look at the draw however we came through most of the draws very convincingly um Burnley was a little bit when we played Burnley that was a little bit different because it was penalties so that was a little bit different and um, but we played we came through it most convincingly and yeah for me I've never ever seen us in a final the last time we were in a final I was only four so I don't remember it my dad does very very well um he's not allowed at another final because the last three he's been who we've lost I've said you're not going to the next one um, <laughs> just in case you're the problem um but yeah it was just amazing I do hope there is more to come but I also do think obviously there is luck comes into play half the time especially in a cup um we've seen you know shocks in the, in the last few years like Wigan and things like that so um Leicester so yeah there is always a little bit of luck but just the way we actually went out and tried to do something in a cup was so foreign to me normally it's like we're not bothered because of fighting relegation so you kind of have to keep your players for the relegation battle and we don't normally go all strength in a cup but yeah we, we looked really really good um and I was just so proud of them it was a very a very special weekend and I even came away from the game I was gutted about the result but I wasn't like it didn't devastate me to the point of anger where I was like oh I should have won that like I'm really annoyed I just came away and I was like you know what? I'm so proud like it's an absolute honor that I get to follow this team now in these in these joyous times just a complete honor and I felt really happy about it rather than sad and it was just like a strange feeling because I expected to be absolutely devastated but I just wasn't and I, I just was like you know what there's more to come from this team and I'm just so proud of of Eddie and the team for getting there really. Of course you got four games remaining and third in the league and do you firstly think you'll stay there because looking at this fixture list you know, Leeds, Brighton, Leicester and Chelsea, I think you've got nothing to worry about at all. I do think, I know on paper, like, <laughs> yes, fine, but you'll probably know yourself, your own your PTSD from your own team is so real. Like, yeah. even despite the fact we've only lost two games at home this season and, like, we really haven't lost that many games and we're playing such fantastic football and we've done so well, I'm still like... Oh, we're going to fall. We're going to slip up. Just somewhere along the way, we're going to slip up. Um, hopefully, it's not now because I'll... Despite, it won't be a disappointment to me. Like, the season won't be a write-off and I won't be like, oh, I hate this season. It was rubbish. I'm happy, genuinely, no matter what happens from this point onwards. I'm so happy with the season and I've never, ever felt joy like it as a Newcastle fan, Um, in, especially as a like a older support Newcastle fan. Um, I've never felt joy like I have this season. So I won't be too disappointed, but now it's like you've got four games left to do it and that's it. Two wins. That's all we need. Two wins now to get Champions League. No matter, like third or fourth, I don't care where we finish as long as we get Champions League. So I do think we can do it. Mm-hmm. the problem is the odds are all in our favour and everyone's backing us and that's making me like oh every time that happens we lose like the Carabao Cup final against Arsenal the other day everyone was backing us and it, we lost and I was like oh every single time everyone's behind us we lose but yeah I think this time we can do it and honestly what a if we do that it's absolutely 
momentous. Um, obviously, I've said before to when we ran the show with Doug the other day, the best signing we will ever make, and I'll say this till the day I die, is Eddie Howe. This era, the best signing that we've ever made was Eddie Howe. I don't care what player comes through the door or how long Eddie's with us. I hope it's a very long time. He has got a long-term contract now, but he will always and forever be the best signing we ever made. And I would love, like, so love to see him lead us out in the Champions League next season. Like, I'll, I'll cry my eyes. I'll, like, I literally will be sat there, pure sobbing. My dad was even like, I'll cry. Like, <laughs> I'll see it and I'll still cry because of the love and just the unity that's in the, in the team and the club at the moment. It'll just be very, very, very special. Um, and I would love him to be the one to do it. I'm hoping you finish third because, you know, firstly for Eddie and Jason and everybody there, but also um, I've got one over on Harry then, you know, yes. I can go around and say, you know, I was right all along. I just should have had the bet. I should have had the bet. You like but... the Oracle, Craig? Everybody will be coming to you for like predictions and that. <laughs> <next>. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm not like Mystic Meg, you know, I'm, I wouldn't have a cliff. Wow. Unfortunately, I don't know the lottery results, but um, let's look at it this way. You finish third, you're in the Champions League, Eddie's still at the helm, he's leading you out in the Champions League games. I can't, you know, it's crazy to even think that, um, considering how small a club we are. What does he do next? Because is that going to be the pinnacle? Or is he going to challenge the likes of Man City? And of course... Arsenal this season, they've just come into it. Is he going to be able to challenge, you know, for the title? Um, Honestly, next season, I don't mind if we don't challenge. I don't even mind if we kind of finish lower than where we have this season because it is something that Champions League and extra games is something that at that level is something that we've not had compared to our other competitors this year, um, which I will be very open and honest about this chain of events and the circumstances that have happened this season is in teams falling off. Man City not having the best start. Um, Man United really falling off lately um, and us not having, other than the Carabao Cup, any extra midweek games compared to everybody else around us. It has helped. So I'll be very interested to see how he does cope with that next season, how the team copes, um, especially in the league as well. So I don't mind if we do finish lower than we have this season. As long as we attempt the Champions League and we don't get shown up and which I don't think we will and we actually go out and try at least to get out of the group stages then depending on the group oh god that's so freaky to think about I literally <laughs> we're going to end up with like the worst group of all time so, like literally we're going to have Bayern we're going to have Real Madrid like Inter Milan it's going to be the worst thing ever Um, I can just see it happening now so yeah as long as we attempt the Champions League and you know we don't go and show us show ourselves up which as I said I don't think we will then I'm happy as it will genuinely take so much for him to leave the club offer the fans to want him out of the club it will take a great deal like it'll take to the point of like us doing a Chelsea now like where we'll just finish like 13th It'll, I don't even, in fact, I don't even know if I'll even get it. Like, if we go to a relegation battle, I'll be like, right, maybe is now the time to step down. But honestly, I don't even think he will. He, he's proved he can, you know, dance with the big boys. He, he can do it on a, a a decent budget, but smart signings. And he's improved so much of the team that we already possess that, yeah, I have no doubt that we will really give a true 
good account of ourselves again next season but maybe a couple of years for a title challenge who actually though who knows i said five years for top four and in a year we've done it so maybe in two we might be a title challengers but um if we were to ever win anything i don't care if it's FA Cup, don't care if it's Carabao Cup, i would so so love it to be eddie to lift it i would honestly it would mean the absolute world to to all of us as fans now there's going to be some pressure on Eddie for above, though, from Amanda Stavely and also the Saudi Consortium. Um, because Newcastle have got so much money. We've got so much money. Of course, have to go through FFP as well and make sure everything is in line. But how much pressure are they going to put on Eddie? Or are they just going to let him carry on what he's doing at this moment in time? Would they be happy with another couple of third-place finishes in the Champions League year on year without challenging for that title, maybe? I think, um, obviously, I'd be I'd be pretty naive to think that there wouldn't be pressure on him at, at some point because there always is in this kind of footballing environment. In this... Um, atmosphere that we are in in football at the moment it's just the way it is um you always get pressured especially if you continue to progress and you continue to prove year and year out that you can do things um again he has got all of the tools available to him within reason to compete at a high level um i just think he'll be under even more pressure because we are so ahead of schedule like no one expected him at all to get us in the Champions League in a year. Like, no, I don't care what, like, obviously, you, Craig, but yeah. <laughs> Newcastle New fans, Newcastle fans, we did not. It just was not something that was ever even in our in our brains or we thought it would happen. So we were quite happy to just go at a slow and steady pace. And as long as we saw progress, we were very, very happy with that. Unfortunately, when you've overachieved, there will be those fans that trickle through, you know, if we get Europa League next year, it'll be like, oh, well, that's not good enough because you got Champions League last year. But knowing the way that the club is at the moment and who is kind of steady in the ship and at the helm with the likes of Amanda Stavely, I do think he's got so much support and so much time behind him. And it would take a lot for them to ever question him or worry about his, you know, his prowess as a manager. I think if Obviously, we do a couple of years getting a Champions League. That's more than this club's done for 20-plus years. So, it's progress. But, yeah, he'll obviously expect at some stage, I would say, a title charge. Um, but Amanda said, within five to ten years, we Premier League champions. So, he might have a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of time <laughs> on his side at the moment. Can we ever have him back? Not at the moment. We're, we're keeping him for now at the minute. Um, but, you know, <laughs> if, there's ever, if he can ever help out, I'm sure he will. But, um, yeah, I just can't believe how loving and how loved, sorry, and applauded he is by both sets of fans. No matter yeah. where he's been, as I said earlier, he's just, he's never, there's just nothing negative about him. He just, he just presents himself and behaves so impeccably. It's like every interview he does, he has a perfect answer. He knows exactly what to say without giving too much away. Like his answers are so concise and clear and knowledgeable. And obviously his coaching has shown how good it is on the pitch. So, and he did say himself, like his trials and tribulations as a player have made him so much more aware and understanding of players who were going through issues 
like at the club and injuries and it's just such a vital thing to have because not a lot of managers are like that a lot of managers just think players are superhuman and can play three games a week for five months and you know doesn't don't need a break but he's so understanding of that and the mental health side of things that uh, he's just an absolute joy to be a manager and I can totally understand now why you guys are just so um you know you love him so much and the fact that he's done it and reciprocated that love at another club on the same levels is is just insane. But the job he did with Bournemouth can never, I'll, can just can never be forgotten because it was just so so good, so perfect, absolute fairy tale story. And hopefully we get our own fairy tale with him this time, just on a a different note. Oh, most definitely. And I honestly would be absolutely delighted for him. I would absolutely be delighted for him because. To be fair, without Eddie Howe, we would have ended up getting relegated to the National League or the conference as it was back then. Um, We had Jimmy Quinn in beforehand. Not the greatest manager. Well, a very, very poor manager, to be perfectly honest. Um, Don't worry, he's never going to come on this show because um, (laughs) I've knocked him so many times. He's probably like, yeah, when he sees the message come through. uh, (laughs) No, we're not going on there. (laughs) Not going on there, um, (laughs) Toodles. Um, Because the rumour was that he used to walk his dog around the training ground. So, um, but yeah, Eddie... Without Eddie and him taking over after a defeat against Blythe Spartans, this club might not even exist. Might not even exist. And it shows what a great manager he is, that he's doing the same at Newcastle after he inherited the squad that were bottom of the league. Yeah. Bottom of the league. And if he's going to take you into the Champions League. I'm going to say that now. He's going to take you into the Champions League. Don't worry. He will take you into the Champions League. Um, are you worried, though? And this is something that I know something, you know, I know probably the answers to this. But are you worried that if Southgate gets the push by England, that they're going to come knocking the FA? I think they will come knocking. However, just the way that he is, he would miss the day-to-day runnings of a football club. He's so proactive and I really think that it would have to come at a point where he was completely done with club management. And he's so young still. Like, there's just no way that he, especially now, like, there's just no way that he's going to ever be done with club management in the near future. And I can't see him leaving Um not even because it's us, but just like a project where he can have free reign and he can coach and he's he's liked and loved and has the back. And I just can't see him leaving that for England because the England job is unfortunately just a very poison chalice. Like you just, they expect so much of you and you really would have to go in there and change the culture of, of England management. So I think he can manage England and I do think that he will. Um, but yeah, I just think at the moment he would... He would just miss the day-to-day runners of a club far too much. And do you know what? That is, to be honest, you've said it, said it pretty much identically to what Steve Fletcher said when I spoke to him fairly really? recently. Oh, yeah, okay. That, you that know, makes Eddie, it feel <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Eddie, you know, is the first one in, last one out. Yeah. And, you know, he would miss that. 
He's being so meticulous. He said of himself, he's like a perfectionist. Yeah. So yeah, he just he can't you can't do that in England. You just you just you're under so many constraints that you just can't. Final, final thing, final thought. So he's going to take you into the Champions League. You know that's what I've already decided. He's going to make you finish third, take you into the Champions League. How far would he take you through that Champions League? Because I've got something in my mind as well with regards to that. Um, even if we get out of the group stages and get into round of 32, I'll be like, happy, happy. No, not round of 32, round of 16 even. I'll be happy with that. Um, I'll be more than happy if we get out of the group. <laughs> I'll be so happy if we get out of the group. I cannot explain. I'll be so happy. Um so round of 16 is my want um, and desires. I do think, though, a couple of people have said if if he does take us to the Champions League, I'm still saying if because I'm just waiting until it's mathematically confirmed <laughs> before I get excited, um, that he'll probably surprise a lot of people and we will as a team um, because you find a lot of times in the Champions League that... Um, very pragmatic footballs on display um, at Atletico, my second team, for example, very masters of it, tournament football, if you will. So because we don't play like that necessarily, we will probably shock a lot of teams. Um, and I do think we play good enough football to beat a lot of teams that get into the Champions League, like a Club Bruges, for example, or like a Porto or just someone like that. Um, I honestly think that we could we could beat them. I mean, we got beat by Benfica, but that was before. Um, it was like pre-season, a little tournament, and we weren't as good as we are now. So if he gets backed in the summer, which I have no doubt that he will, and we build an even more quality side, I think we'll do. I think we'll do okay. Um, but yeah, round of sixteen for me is where I'm where I'm at with the uh, with the Champions League. I can't believe I'm saying that. Like even just getting there is like, oh my god, I can't believe it. But yeah, round of sixteen, I'll be I'll be happy with that. I reckon he could go as far as the semi-finals. And the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is firstly, St. James's Park. You know, teams aren't going to enjoy going back to St. James's Park. You know, let's be fair, the players that are playing, who will be playing against Newcastle, probably weren't even born when Newcastle were last. Yeah, a lot of them were. It was was 21 years ago. So yeah, a lot of them wouldn't have been born. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to be an intimidating atmosphere for them. Um, So personally, I think he'll use that to his advantage. But like you say, Kendall, you know, he's got a very, very positive way of playing. Um, And I think it will surprise a lot of teams. And I think he'll surprise and upset, you know, a couple of big European teams. Um, I think the semi-finals, when you get to that stage, you're looking at the likes of Bayern Munich in their Real Madrid. Um, Man City might be floating around there, but they might have already gone out um, into Milan. So you've got all those sort of teams that will probably be in there. PSG, I think that would be, you know, to get past that would, wow, it'd be absolutely unbelievable. I couldn't imagine that. I know, I can't even, I couldn't, I I still can't. I'm still like shocked. I just just never thought that we'd ever 
we'd see it not in in especially in the near future i just didn't think i thought i'll be like a fully blown like grandmother by the time we saw newcastle back in the champions league i just really did um so just to experience it now is just it, it's so nice um and yeah it will be semi-finals will be insane insane i can't even think about that um here i'm on like round of 16 i'm loving that it's gonna be amazing um but yeah semi-finals would be can't imagine the city can't imagine the atmosphere st james's park would be just wild newcastle in general but just we were, we were wild and we stayed up <laughs> Yeah. um so yeah it would just be the city would be amazing and as i say i would just be so proud if eddie did it and um i know he would have you know the the blessing of yourselves as well so that'll be that'll be nice yeah i think he'd have the freedom of newcastle as well as bournemouth <laughs> <laughs> definitely he's gonna like go on a tour around the uk like just getting freedom <laughs> keys yeah. to the cities remember where he, where he is <laughs> To be honest, you know, it would be absolutely amazing. But I think he will recruit sensibly. I think, you know, he will work with the technical director and, you know, find those players that are up and coming. You know, he gives players chances. You know, not every Eddie Howe signing, you know, is a great one. We had Jordan Ibe. Um, But then again, (laughs) for every Jordan Ibe, you have a Nathan Ake. You have a Callum Wilson. Um, yeah. Dare I even say it? Ryan Fraser was um, a bit of a masterstroke <laughs> at one point. Uh, probably not anymore, but you know, was a masterstroke. Yeah. But yeah, I think he, I think he will do something in the Champions League once you get there, um, and surprise a lot of teams. And crikey, I just, I'd love to see it. You've got to hold me to that as well. You gotta hold, hold me to that. that. Yeah, you gotta that. remind me of this. <laughs> In a I year's will, time, I'll be, like, I'll, I'll be like angry, like Craig. Look, we didn't even get out of the groups. <laughs> you said the semi-finals. Hopefully, I'm, you're the one saying, "Well, I told you so." Um, when we get to the semis, but yeah, it's uh, gonna be a exciting. I'm just uh, honestly, these next, if my heart holds out for the next four games, and I'll be there to see. It. I don't know if it will at this point. I'm already like having absolute heart attacks every time I go to the game. Like, oh my god, I might lose. I'm actually ill. I'm ill thinking about the game tomorrow. Like, I can't. I've just blocked out my mind all day because I'm like so dreading it. Um, but yeah, if we get two wins and we can actually enjoy being that the fact that we're in the Champions League, then yeah, I can maybe yeah. Settle down, but uh, it'll all start again next season, even worse. <laughs> it's only Leeds. It's only Sam Allardyce. The worst person you want to be playing at this time. <laughs> Just the worst, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I'm sure Eddie will get the better of him. But Kendall, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. All the pleasure very, is very all, best. all mine. Honestly, pleasure is all mine. Getting to talk about it with someone who understands the feelings is just, yeah, yes. it's great. So thank you so much for having me and asking me. No problem at all. All the very best with the overlap as well. Thank and you. You're always welcome back on here. We'll get you back Absolutely. on here. Absolutely. Sure. Any, any time. But yeah, best of luck for the season as well. I think I'm so glad that you're staying up. I'm so, so happy for you. Um, and hopefully you can kick on again next season. Yep. Thank you. And if you ever get fed up with him, just send him back to the <laughs> South Coast. <laughs> the only place I'll be happy to send him back to. The only place. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, yeah, speak to you soon, Kendall. Take care. Absolutely. See you later. Thanks,
And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this show. Please remember to hit the like, the subscribe, the bell button below to be alerted any video we do here on Up the Cherries in all departments. Please do check out our Cherry Picking podcasts. Also do check out all of our other interviews as well. Until the next show, though, Up the Cherries and Up the Magpies as well. And we'll see you in the next one. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.